Welcome back to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. It's been a while, but uh, I'm your host, my daughter. daughter. Good to be back with my old friend, Mr. Kulikowski. Uh, whoever thought Hello. that the Florida Panthers were going to have the most points in the league, quite possibly, at Thanksgiving. I don't think I ever imagined a universe where that could be possible. Yeah, I think we always said, like, you know, it's possible they have the talent or, you know, if things come together and they're healthy, they could maybe, you know, we, we all ca- we always say those positive couch statements going into the year since we've gotten Ekblad, Barkov, Huberto and, and some, you know, consistency and dependability in the front office. So it. It's not super surprising compared to like 2008 or 2010, 12, if you know, when you, you would say something like that. But what has been really, I think, monumental to me, and, and this might be kind of a backhanded compliment, is through the adversity, through on ice kind of stumbling and falling into a rut it seemed that they were able to kind of just win on talent and skill alone and just kind of eke by on that where in the past they've never been able to do that they've never been able to kind of hold on long enough to kind of have natural luck and skill kind of even things out and balance them back and be able to kind of wade through the storm so seeing them kind of do that start to pick themselves up, build back out of that, um, and start to get back onto that trajectory of leveling up to be a cup contender has been, I think, to me, one of this, is this team for real? Well, I'm leaning to more to yes now because I've seen this. I think they've proven quite a bit in recent times that there's a lot of layers to this that we want to get to with this team. It's It's there's a lot of good to talk about when you have the most points in the league and one of your wins is absolutely steamrolling the other best team in the league, Carolina. And I, I want to start by saying right. this, like they're not playing anywhere near what they're capable of right now. And that's fine. Cause Barkov's hurt. But also I think the tumult of what happened is finally on that road trip. It definitely settled in like, yeah, we had to fire our coach because of something that had nothing to do with what we're doing here. And that was kind of traumatic for a group that really bought into what, what the former coach was selling and they just had to kind of wade through it. And that road trip was the first evidence of, yeah, there, there are, there are going to be bumps in the road here, but even then they come home and they immediately steamroll a team that was having a bad time. They have a terrible start against another and then proceed to steamroll them anyway, and then outplay another team. That's pretty good. And I think that, they're figuring out how to deal with this new kind of adversity, not just the on-ice kind of adversity, which they have, but, and of course, getting Barkov hurt again, which is highly unfortunate, but actually kind of settling into a groove now realizing this is what's happening, this is what's going to be the case long-term for them. Because I think in the early days of Brunette, they honestly didn't know what was going to happen. Like, you would hear the yeah, signals I, I, from Bill Zito that maybe... They're going to keep them long-term, but how could anybody know? And now I think they're finally getting into that groove of knowing this is what we're going to be like for an extended period of time. And I think maybe that is why they've started to settle in a little again. Right. You mentioned kind of the emotional toll of, you know, losing a head coach. I mean, honestly, we're, we're talking, you know, just in a, 
in a vacuum, the idea of losing a coach, not regarding the situation and how it was, but losing a coach where it wasn't like performance based. The hockey team was doing well. They um, were unbeaten, and, and they, and had, they to had to go through watch a change. their coach leave because of nothing they but, did. You know, and whether there's been a lot of talk about whether Brunette's the right guy for the job or not, I think it's way too early to make the call. I think what they're doing is correct in keeping the systems and and the players are, are comfortable, and that's kind of the key going forward because you don't want to upset things when they're turning the right way. Um, but, you know, even if he is the right guy for the job, there is a transition period from never being a head coach into being a head coach. You, we're talking that, that, that road trip. He's never run a road trip as an NHL head coach. There's all the different things that go along with that. Um, you know, there's different day-to-day duties that aren't even involved with the, the, the players or the on ice or, you know, the actual on ice practices and stuff like that. Um, and there's, you know, then he, you know, he's probably also helping the people that backfilled his job, you know, and the assistant coach is giving them support because that's also a head coach's duty. Um, you know, and then every, you think about those coaches, they're all also now stepping up because th- there is a lot of room. They're big shoes to fill. So, you know, you're seeing everybody, you know, positively building that camaraderie and, and seeing that they can do more, they can ask more of themselves and stuff, but it takes a while for that confidence to settle in for these new routines to settle in. So I, now I, I definitely could see, okay, yeah, there's things brunette needs to work on. Um, there's things that I think he's kind of good at. There's other things that I just, I don't know if they're fixable and they just kind of rub me the wrong way. But I mean, that's how it's going to be of anybody that's the coach. But I, I think it was unfair of kind of unfair, but I understood during the, the losing streak why there was a lot of focus on him uh, and maybe the, the buck kind of stopping at him. And, you know, that's kind of the head coach's role, so you better get used to it. But I wasn't a fan of it. I think it's way too I, I early. I wasn't either. And the reason why is let's look at these games. I and mean, we recorded after, I think, the, a couple weeks ago and was the last time That's we not to say that I don't think that the game showed and highlighted flaws that need to be fixed. And I'm not saying that I'm happy with where they are and everything, but it's the first 20 games of the season and it's about mapping out your path to how you can level up over the year. And, you know, I think they, they're, they're kind of plotting their map right now. Um, and we'll discuss how they can achieve that over the rest of the year. Yeah. And I want to start by saying like the first two games he coached were basically adrenaline, you know, deal. Well, negative adrenaline, positive adrenaline, whatever you think about those games, like those were basically just adrenaline rushes. Like you're not thinking in that point, you're just acting. Well, and as a coach, as a coach, you're trying to leverage that. I mean, we've seen Q, we've seen other coaches who've succeeded in, okay, we might be outmatched. We might be out systems or out goalie or all this stuff, but I can draw on X, Y, or Z to kind of put the, these guys over the top to get them going, to maybe get them uh, to play a little at a higher pace or more physical or, you know, more focused on their details, even if it is just for a period or a game or a little burst. Um, and I think, you know, that's one thing brunette is, I think naturally gifted at and good at is capitalizing on those moments. I think, you know, the downside of that is 
I think very much so like me, he's a guy that when things don't necessarily go right, he doesn't, he's not hiding those emotions and it's not just blowing up at the rest, which I like. Um, it's more like, you know, backbreaking goals and, and you kind of sulk on the bench. And I'm not saying he's sulking. I'm saying me, I'm sulking in the living room and I would have the tendency to do that on the bench if I was, you know, a head coach, I, I bet. You so, have some coaches who, I, I remember hearing an interesting comment once about Ken Hitchcock, which is how he would always be very stoic if he knew the camera was on him, you know, and then he'd blow up when he knows yeah. the camera's not on him. Like, Andrew Burdett doesn't know that. Like, you never saw Joel Quenville getting all that mad behind the bench. And I don't want to keep comparing him to Quenville. That's not fair to him. And also, like, again, Joel Quenville did some really awful things with the Blackhawks. We have to make that still very clear <laughs> that that's why he got fired. Because we almost, you know, you kind of lose sight of that when you try to talk about the hockey in some of these situations. But right. We can, Quenville, we can use, uh, we can use Fred Shiro. How about that? Well, it, it, the Hitchcock <laughs> example was the best one. Because you always hear about, and because he also coached the Flyers, so you would know. Like, he would always be yeah. stoic behind the bench when the camera was on him, but when he knew the camera wasn't on, he'd bring out the old hairdryer, to use a turn of phrase. And I don't think yeah. Andrew Brunette well, understands that dynamic yet of, like, I know when the camera's on me, but I also know I gotta, you know, keep my emotions in check when the camera's on me, but I could be a little different when the camera's not. You know, when do I get my emotional, you know, when do I do that? When do I have my emotional moments? Where is that point in the game? These are all things that he doesn't know because he's not a head coach. He might be, you know, detailed with, you know, more systems and scouting, but there's the emotional aspect of being a head coach that he just doesn't understand yet, and that's because he's never been a head coach before. Well, and he's taking a team I don't want is... I don't want to paint with those that broad of a brush. I just think that sometimes he can look defeated on the bench. And, you know, as a head coach, I don't want to see defeated. All the other emotions I'm not too upset with. It's just, Well, yeah, you know, I mean, like, you don't want to see your A, a little coach, bit of that. Because that you emotion know, it, translates. Yeah, and, you know, there were some other, you know, he's got to get better at matchups and all that stuff, but he will. He'll get better at picking lines and when to put out and shoot out lineups and all this stuff. But, I mean, like, what people were ripping on him for some stuff, but, like, that's same stuff. What he the the things that people were ripping him for, I thought were things that Q had done to varying levels of success and failure, like the Vertrano or Hornquist shootout picks and stuff like that. I, I thought it was very Quinville like, or um, you know, very. I could see a lot of coaches. You talked about Hitchcock. It's, you see a lot of coaches, you know, lean on certain guys certain ways, like that. Um, it's not, I don't think, unfamiliar for a head coach for me. Um, I, I, one of the things I would like to s start to see him do is, okay, we have limited amount of practice times. We know what this team's really good at. We know what this team's really bad at. How are we going to get better at that stuff outside of hockey games? And I keep asking about small area games and and what they're doing on the ice and things like that and you know it seems like they're doing a lot of a lot of pace stuff a lot of flow drills a lot of uh you know rushes and and things like that which is you know is fine and and a lot of structure power play and all that stuff which, which is fine too penalty kill but I would like to see a little more small area games, a little more fun, a little more competition. I, I think what this team is is missing is kind of the attention to detail 
uh, which I think you can get through just bringing out more of that competitive nature. And and I think what Florida has gotten, what they did at the beginning of the year was they were having fun beating teams on the four check. They were having fun, you know, shutting guys down on the penalty kill and stuff. They were having fun a lot of different ways beating up on teams. Um, and I would like to see them get back to that. I think you start doing that in practice, you know, having fun beating up on each other and, and, you know, shutting each other down and things like that in those tight areas, because, you know, they're fine on the rush. They're fine on the track meet. They're fine. What they're not really fine on is establishing the cycle down low when they get in the offensive zone and that first look off the rush doesn't really work out. Um, or, you know, breaking up the cycle at the other end or, or, you know, when there's a lot of offensive zone times, like Forsling and Gudis always get turned, always get on the wrong side of their man, always get caught puck watching or, or, you know, taking their stick off the other guy's stick just for a second. And that's when that puck gets moved into this crease and gets in the back of the net. And I think, you know, the more you do the small area games, just high pace, competitive stuff and practice and have fun. I think you're going to get more out of the team. I, you know, and I say this from, I don't really know what's happening in practice. They're closed to the public, so I can't even rely on other fans or anything like that. And I'm relying on beats who don't necessarily answer those questions in the most detailed way because they got other stuff they're worried about and all that stuff. So, you know, I hope that that's happening more and more and, and going to, but, you know, I think, if they are continuing the practice like they have over the last year and a half, which it sounds like they are the same type of drills and routine and stuff. I don't, I think you're going to keep getting the same type of one dimensional results that are good in the regular season, but aren't bettering you for the playoffs. And that was a long rant. I'm sorry, but no, that's fair enough. But I, I, my opinion on it, yes, because I think that this team, we know that they're going to beat you if it gets into a track meet. Um, I, I found a comment from, from Nico Sturm of the Wild who said, two and a half years in the league, it's the fastest game I ever played, and that was without Barkov. So you know the Panthers are going to win in a track meet. But, like, that's obvious at this point. My guess as to why they're doing it, and this could be totally wrong, is as they try to settle back in, I think what Brunette wants to do is maybe get them back into doing the things that are second nature to them, that are familiar to them, and that might be drills all the rush, flow drills, things of that nature, because they know, okay, we're good at this. And while we try to settle this transition and understand more of what's happened in that transition, let's do what we're good at. Let's do what comes second nature to us. Now, again, and I think they're exiting that phase. And I think, you know, at the not, you know, they've played 18 games are getting to game. I think about game 20, you, you, you know, they've had enough time to settle, you know, they have they have a lot of off days now where they're getting these practices. This is when they should be making that transition because, you know, your next you don't get that much of concentrated practice time. Um, you, you, no, that's absolutely fair to say. And I think there are other issues with this team that I have. And in the grand scheme of like right now, you might think that they're nitpicking. But again, all of what we're focusing on is how are they going to get better and be what they need to be in May, which is what we're trying because, to... Because, I mean, if you're looking around it, they, and we're saying this because it's not because we, we don't think the team's good. It's, you know, we're about a quarter way through the season and they are a top five, six at the worst team 
as far as winning the cup this year. Like they have a legit chance to bring back legitimate hardware, not some meaningless like first round win. They could actually go deep and really challenge. And, you know, if they get lucky, if other people get unlucky, they might they might win a conference title. They might go to the cup. You never know. They might win it. And the reason you do that now, I mean, I think it's fool's gold to think that every team can just be a St. Louis blues and, and turn it on at the halfway point. Um, again, people might hear them be like, what do you mean turn it on at the halfway point? But I don't think, I think Florida started the season living up to their potential. They didn't st- they didn't start the season taking the next step. And I know that's weird for people to hear me say, but I mean, this is kind of what I've been preaching for a while. This team is ready. They need to start leveling up and adding the different elements to their games, playing off the cycle, you know, being a good team in the neutral zone, not turning over the puck as much because they don't always just get in, run it up, you know, like a basketball game. Um, And, you know, I think that there's different things they can do because they finally have all those centers. They have solid D depth. Yes, I I think they still need to add a left-handed defenseman by the trade deadline, but that's not, you know, I think everything they can do is fixable through practice. It's we talk about practice. It, it's, these are not, you know, like fatal flaws that you would need an offseason to fix. These are flaws that you can address right now. No, and because the are... skill set's there. I mean, if we're, if we're looking up and down the roster, I mean, if we had to pick the worst forward on the roster, we'd both say Ryan Lomberg, right? And what's Ryan Lomberg really good at? He's good at those small area games. He's good at picking pucks off the boards. He's good at, you know, positioning himself and boxing out guys and stuff. They have, and their top talent guys are good at that too. Barkov, Huberto, Bennett, you know, they Verhage, they're guys that are can play the cycle game in this new NHL um, without all the clutching and grabbing and all that stuff. Duclair, I mean, I think everything's right there. Where and these are NHL players. They you know they've done this stuff before. A lot of you know have the skill sets as I'm saying to do this. Um, it's just about recommitting themselves to do it it's about being you know cognizant and aware of hey we're going into this game and we want to develop this throughout the game and you know we're working on practice to develop these things so when these situations happen in the game you know if we're not if we're doing the track meet and we're not seeing any results let's start slowing it down or if we're on the road you know, we're not seeing results on the road. They're three, two, and three on the road. They're ten and zero at home. Um, you know, in a playoff series, if you know, you don't always want to be going to seven and have them rely on your home ice advantage to to win a playoff game because you can't figure out how to. Well, there's uh, also there's also the thing that I hope win on the road. Tampa, which is we saw what happened in game one, right? The fastest game. This saw in the playoffs, the most entertaining game in the playoffs. And then Tampa dialed it back a lot. And then, sure, the Panthers were able to win track meets, but Tampa knows, and good teams know, this is how we need to win at times in the playoffs when we can't do exactly the things that I think we'd want to do. And Tampa's really good at that, and other teams are going to be really good at that. And the Panthers are going to have to beat those teams 
in the playoffs. Yeah. And I would you just, were able to I would just advise to not do it the way that Tampa did, which was they got their whistles through like shit stirring. Yes. <laughs> like I want the or, Panthers to or, just or, or control or puck and slow that, down uh, play. Saying things about Sam Bennett yeah. and uh, and uh, other players that were just factually well, incorrect to stir the pot, which is well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like what Tampa does is they try to get make the game chippy, get a lot of whistles, like just suck all the momentum out and get you focused on not playing hockey. That's what Tampa does. But like a team like Boston or a team like Carolina or yeah, you know Calgary, the, the, teams that they're going to face, they do it through possession. At some point, don't we? Yeah, hell of a team. Who called that? Oh, just me. Oh, no, well, me and a lot of people, you, but. but but I want to I, I want to focus on some, team of some snipers big... and a good coach, man. <laughs> man, 2012, the playbook still works. Uh, let's focus on yeah. this for the Panthers. And I want to talk about some of the things that I find interesting is even without Barkoff, they're still able to basically do what we know they're good at and not have their look like there's a drop off, which is kind of impressive to me because it makes past, me want to put Barkov on defense. <laughs> I'm only half joking. Kinda, because like when you look at the way that they're playing, like they played three games without Barkov. All of them have been at home. But you look at Carolina, they took them to the woodshed. You know, at times against the Devils, they took them to the woodshed. And there were times against Minnesota. We're not talking the whole game, but we're times against Minnesota where it just looked like the Wild couldn't keep up. And the Wild are a possible top ten team in the league. And I really like that team. Yeah. And the Panthers just at points it looked like Minnesota could not keep up with them. And this was without Barkov. So this is an incredibly impressive amount of depth that they've built up again. I mean, a center group of Bennett, Lundell, Fortin, and Losteranen is, you know, that's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. And that's without arguably a top five player in the league. And so yeah, that's and great that's credit to the way they Nola built that Chari being Nolachari being out, Sam Reinhart not playing center, which he could do if they needed him to. Like it's an incredible yeah. amount of depth. Or can up. play center. Yep. And in yeah. you think about like just 2019-20, right, which arguably was one of Joel Quenville's better coaching jobs because that team had no depth whatsoever, and he was somehow able to finagle that group to being tolerable because we know that they had no depth. He, Like, you could see it, and then they traded away their second-best center. And, like, in a matter of two years, they went from well, a team with practically no depth to a team that- with unlimited depth, it feels like. Yeah, and and to be honest, I I Trocheck was like their third or fourth best center that year, and that's why I got traded. You're correct. I don't, but... I don't. I mean, again, it's not the trade package I would have wanted for Trocheck, but if you're at like, lost training is pretty much what Trocheck would be in this team. I mean, I guess maybe they would have Trocheck in a top six spot and maybe Duclair wouldn't be here but I mean I don't know if that's better I can't Um, argue the way that the team ended up like the trade package was not good but they've ended up in a pretty good spot regardless and I again that's credit to smart team building from the general manager but like you look at low strain he didn't start the year and then eventually gets into the lineup he has six goals and has been incredibly reliable doing exactly what you want him to do he's not a volume shooter he's definitely a uh, percentage shooter He's got he's got good hands in front. He knows how to get the puck up under the bar in tight. He doesn't just try to stuff pads and but stuff. But again, which a I lot think what's so do. critical about that is he wasn't playing to start the year, and now he's you can't take him out of the lineup. Like it's 
crazy to think that that is how the de- deep this team is. This team doesn't have Marchman in the lineup. Marchman was fine when he was playing. And now you're wondering, like, yeah. how's he going to get back into it? And, like, that's good depth. And the Panthers yeah. for years well, had it's bad also, depth. It's also, a, it's also a challenge for Brunette because you have to keep all these guys going. You have to keep all these possible lineup pairings and stuff that you need to be good at a moment's notice, you know, familiar with each other which you can do in practice and in the game. And I mean, it's a lot to, it's a lot to juggle, but it's the good problems you, you want to have because then you're telling, you know, Marchman's, you know, Thornton's taking a night out to rest himself. Then Marchman's taking a night out, you know, Hey, eventually Patrick Hornquist will get, you know, you know, some load management you would think yeah but it's never it's never conversations like you know you need to do this you're not playing you know it's never those conversations it's you know it's conversations like hey i know this is really you, you're chomping at the bit you every game is a game you want to be in but you know we're we're, we're doing something and if you just keep pressing you know get, keep doing being a good team player you know, when those playoff games start you'll have your best opportunity to get ice time and here's what's also you know, players like it. that Here's what, yeah, and here's what's also interesting. I don't, I'm going to have to look it up because I haven't looked at counting stats very much for this team this year. I've looked at some of the expected goals. If you look at Monty Puck, they have uh, 56% expected goals percentage at even strength, which is just, again, like they don't have a power play right now, and they are just mauling people at even strength at times, just destroying right. them. It's really quite incredible what well, they're doing. But also, I wanted to check the, the, the point of counting stats. They have nobody with double-digit goals, and they have the most goals in the league. It, yeah. it, it's 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 incredible balance, and again, their best player's not playing right now. He's hurt, and and that's without much time on ice balance. To I mean, they're they're really riding their their horses. Some games, I mean, you know, it's not unheard of for Ekblad Wegar to play upper twenty sixes, but should they be doing that every night? I did think that they played a lot more Forsling and Gudis on Saturday, but it's something you want to see a little bit more balance throughout but the it's, year. It, yeah, but it's not just like it's not like all right. I just want you know the first line guys, so we got to play the second line guys more. It's, we should be playing everybody more. I mean, look like you said, the the points are being spread out, and again, you don't want to you know give people too many minutes. But I think you know you can start to work in more people on the penalty kill. Uh, you can start to work in more people five on five. You can start to work in more defense pairings and stuff like that because, I mean, I. I don't, I'm not, they seem pretty dead set on, hey, we have four defensemen that can play the play NHL minutes and we have, you know, a fifth that can kind of play NHL minutes, especially offensively in Montour. And then we don't know how we feel about our sixth. So the top four just gets way overused. I mean, like Gudis is not a top four NHL defenseman for what Florida's trying to do and become. They need to, you know, he, that, that I need that Gudis and Forsling par- pairing to take a little break for me. Um, I don't think that they're. I think that we can do better. I mean, I, I liked Carlson in his car- call up. I thought it was kind of a you know that's why they can get rid of Juleson because you know Carlson's a similar guy. Like you don't really notice him. He doesn't really do much that's like really great. But you know he kind of just facilitates play a little bit and gets off the ice. 
Well, that's Which fine. Like, sometimes you want, you want yeah. defensemen to not. So, like, like Norton's been fine at that, too. Like, yeah, just but it's okay. So, you, you're starting to bin your D, right? You got a couple fine guys, which is great. You need, those, you need like, four or five guys who are fine to go on a run because of well, all I mean, the injuries. Well, I we also know that Nudibar has been hurt and Yuli Levy's yeah. been hurt. So, once but they I'm get not, healthy yeah, but, to play. Yeah, well, is you, well, those two guys have had injury issues their whole career, and that's one of the reasons they were available for florida to trade for so it's like are they ever going to stay healthy or not so they got kind of get binned into the like there they could be a good option like you know a four five six option but um you, you don't know if they're gonna be healthy enough um so then then you got your montour and gudis who are like third pair d and then you got three top four d that's a, if, if, if we talked about it before the season. Yeah, we, we talked about it before the season. Like, if they need to go get somebody via trade, it would be a defenseman. And we, we thought but that But now that they're was... entering... They're now entering into the point where they need that defenseman. But it's, can they get that defenseman? How, how soon do they want to get that defenseman? How much are they worth willing to pay for that defenseman? You know, does that defenseman fit into what they're doing? Can they get him up and running in time for the playoffs once they do get him? Because yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that they need the help if they want to change the way they play. Because they they have to really lean into that running gun style or they don't get any use out of their third pair and Montour. This is the point and that most when he's... This is the point I like the most from you right here, because I joked, uh, Jameson, our friend Jameson from the team, uh, wanted to call uh, Bennett Huberto and Duclair the spinal tap line because it goes to 11. And I have called what the Panthers do spinal tap hockey because they don't have an off switch or they don't have a dimmer switch. Like, they can't turn it back. They play the way they play, and they have to do that. And they're really, really good at that. But when you would like to see them dial it back a bit, to have it not be a track meet or basically a game of shinny. They don't have the function in the team necessarily to like a trigger that would allow them to just take the air out of the ball, if, for lack yeah. of a better phrase. And I think that you want, what you're saying is what you want a defenseman who is able to just kill the game. You well, know, like when you need them to just put a fork in it, I, allows them I to wanted, do that. I want a defenseman that isn't reliant on having to be constantly in motion and not and constantly not have to think to not be a liability and that's Brendan Montour and that's good and that's Forsling to a point so when you have three and also if we want to really get into it Uyghur to a lesser degree I was going to say that too part, I was going to say part that of Uyghur's too. issue is once once the once the D zone gets a little more cycle game and stuff we saw it in the playoffs a lot against Tampa he doesn't know how to break out of the zone without a burst of speed. He doesn't know how to do stationary breakouts. He does. I mean, he does. He's an angel. He's a very good angel defenseman. I love him. But he, you know, he's not at that first pair level or what people want him to be. And you know, so to a very degrees, they have three pairs of D. They're you only get three pairs to on a game, and all three pairs need that running gun game to be effective that's the problem so you I'm not, are like absolutely even correct. even if you have the same 6d on the ice why don't you put montour up into the top four so you at least so then 
you know, somehow you, you know, you put we, you Montour and Ekblad together or something and Uyghur and Forsling together because they have some chemistry or whatever you want to do, you play around with it or something. And then you can kind of have another pairing out there that isn't reliant on it. So when you're, you're playing that game, you know, it, it makes a little more sense and they can no, kind of step you're up correct. and, and you're change. You're absolutely correct. It was one of the things that um, we read when Jack Hahn wrote his, his preview about the Panthers lightning last year, which I think holds up a lot. He was like, basically are the lightning going to key in on what Uyghur does? And they did to varying degrees and it worked. And that is where I think, you know, you talk about really well-coached teams, Carolina, they didn't do it in the first game they played, but if the Panthers end up playing a playoff series against the Hurricanes, you know they're going to do that. But, so, and, like, that's that, That's what your point is, and I, I 100% agree with you. Another, another good, good point. point that you brought up is, like, well-coached teams, and this isn't going to be like last year. Every team's going to be well-coached against Florida. And they are, like, we. every team that plays Florida is going to be well-coached by Florida. They're going to have tape from them against Tampa last year in the playoffs. They're going to have tape from this year repeating what they did against Tampa in the playoffs. And they're going to say, boys, this is what we do. Do you know why? Because they're number one and everybody comes for number one. Florida used to be in the basement. No one cared. They'd swing through on road trips and, you know, they would they would do the game film for Tampa and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, try not to get too hungover in Fort Lauderdale. You know, you're right. They, they don't and get that treatment anymore, man. Like no, they are absolutely right. So you, they gotta, they gotta work real hard to stay on top. They gotta, you know, it helps that you know they bank these points, and that's why I'm saying like they gotta right now while they have these points banked, while they have the time, like this is where they can take some chances this is when they can really focus on, hey, what can we do to better ourselves? What can we do to cement this other part that we know we can do? But how do we get it more often into our game and be more second nature and something that we can just turn on and off like we can turn on and off our rush game which you know we started a podcast saying my thing was they were able to eke it out some games they were able to just turn it on for 15 minutes scoring a bunch and then you know that's the game way through the game yeah and you know even if they don't do that they go through a bunch of you know they'll be out shooting 12 to 1 12 to 14 or you know 14 to 2 or something like that in and shots on goal. We have the league's biggest shot differential for period, a reason. Yeah. And, and, I, and mean, I think that it, it's, and, and we're not saying that that's a bad thing. Like, it is incredible when they are playing at their best to watch every team just get brushed aside. It's like they're not even there. And this is incredible. You're watching a team in the National Hockey League be at the absolute pinnacle of what is possible in the sport. But as we say, I use a football term, multiple, in the playoffs, they might win a game playing like that. But can you win four games out of seven four times to win the Stanley Cup doing that? It's something that I don't know whether this team and can do it. And there's a long way to go. Yeah. Coach and we would say the out. same. And we would say the same thing if they were only, you know, grinding out games, or if they were. We'd you say know, the same only... thing if they were doing what Calgary's yeah. doing, for instance, yeah. which or, is playing the exact Daryl Sutter playbook. Yeah, but you know, with a team like Calgary, I mean. They have a bunch of, you know, they have some good players and everything, but they don't have the speed Florida has. They don't have the talent Florida has. Oh, or not the even depth close. And stuff, you know, and they got the goaltending. They, pro- they probably have the goaltending. I would say Mark Shum and Vlad are, are, you know, pretty akin to Bobrovsky and Knight, especially this year. Like, you know, you look at the numbers, they, they back that out. Flames have seven um, shutouts already this season. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it might be team effects. It might not, but they have goalies that work for them and everything, and it's a different – but, you know, can Calgary find that consistent offense? Can they find uh, – can they have an offense that isn't just counterattack? Can they have it, you know, can they have an offense that, you know – plays a little more possession and a little more zone entry and like, things like that. I think that, it's the but... same thing. What the Panthers are going through kind of, and this might be completely off base, but maybe it reminds me a little of what Toronto went through. I mean, they also have a playoff hex that's almost as bad as, like, you would say it's worse than Florence because they've gone a bunch of series and haven't won. But the Panthers just haven't been there that often. But Toronto has those, obviously, those regular season games where they just beat the crap out of you. But can they do it in the playoffs? And how much of that is mental versus you know, physical and in some ways. I think those are also interesting questions. But this team's yeah. in the early stages of its evolution this season. I want to get to a couple key uh, players. I want to talk about them uh, just as we just as we go along before we start to widen our brush uh, brush strokes with this the, the league. What I find interesting about how they're playing right now is again, like Sam Bennett was out of the lineup for a few games and they didn't look like they missed a beat. Um, and you know, you see this year with Mundell being able to be moved up and down. I'd like to see him more on power play as opposed to, you know, just being a penalty kill guy. Because there are yeah. times when you watch what Lundell does and I'm like, my first thought is, oh, that's baby Barkoff right there. Like, his offensive game is not at the same level Barkoff's was when he was at that age. Like, that, and, that might, and he might never be the same offensive player, but his, his ability to read the game, to make those plays in the defensive zone, get in position all the time, it's very Barkoff-esque. And it, again, he fell to 12. It's stupid. It's so yeah. so stupid the league allowed him to come to Florida. <laughs> yeah, it, there's also, uh, I know we're going to talk about the rest of the league later, but Dawson Mercer from the uh, draft class is that also Devils having team a, is, That Devils team is pretty good. Pretty, yeah, and uh, I, I have it on good authority that Dawson Mercer was one of their guys that, if it wasn't Lindell, probably would have been so Dawson Mercer. So it shows you Mercer, that somebody so. in that front office is scouting pretty well. Because like, yeah. you, you watch what Lindell does, and it's like, he just, I, like he's, not putting, he's not putting points up in crazy ways, but in terms of managing the puck, in terms of knowing how to manage the flow of a line, no matter who he's playing with, he's doing a really good job of that. And that's yeah, it's incredibly I, impressive for a guy that's 20 years old. Yeah, Lindell's going to be a fan favorite and a, a Y hockey favorite for uh, probably his whole career, and hopefully the majority of it is in South Florida with Barkov because, uh, you know, it's it, he is one of the most fun players to watch personally because, like you said, you know, you you can figure, you can watch the whole game just watching him. You know, like he's one of those players where the way he's positioned, the way his blade is pointing on the ice, the way his head's looking and all that stuff, that's where the game is. You know, he's so in tune with it. And, you know, we talked about, you know, his offensive skills aren't there. Have you ever seen, you know, a young player who, you know, didn't have that outrageous speed or didn't have those outrageous dangles or whatever, be able to influence shifts or be able to like step on the ice and the whole momentum kind of changes and everything kind of goes and through him shorthanded sometimes. I mean, I, I can't think of like, you know, I can think of Patty Kane. I can think of, you know, uh, Goudreau at times, but all of these guys were, you know, 
much more offensively skilled and they were shining in that aspect. So he, I, it's just very unique for me. He, as I said, baby Barkoff at times, with just the, the ability to read the game and just do the little things that don't show up in counting stats or even necessarily like expected goal stats. It's just a way to read the game and understand it. That is, it's really, really fun to watch with him. Uh, other players, I, we mentioned Los Duran, and he's been, he's been really interesting to watch him just come in the lineup and score goals and do exactly what you'd ask him to do. He stuttered the top line in that first period against Carolina when they destroyed them. It's just like the depth is insane. And also, this yeah, is good I, uh, for the future when they're going to have cap issues. They're going to find they're going to have these guys on cheaper contracts and not have to pay them all that much, and they're not going to see a drop off, which is really good for the future too. Um, yeah, another player yeah. I wanted and to the- talk about. Uh, another player I wanted to get to, like, and here's the other funny thing: like, I don't think Sam Reinhart's really even caught like lightning in a bottle yet, so to speak, in terms of like what he's capable of doing. But he's, because he's been moved up and down, there's been different places where he's playing. But, like, you don't notice that because, again, he's been solid. And, like, they haven't needed him to be amazing. In like, anyone regard, he's been solid pretty much everywhere. I think the same Sam Bennett we saw when the Panthers traded for him last year when he's played, that's still the Sam Bennett you're seeing. It's really, really fun to watch that. So I appreciate that aspect of his game. Uh, Anthony Duclair and Carter Verhage are still stupid good Verhage's goal against the the wild was a great individual effort and Anthony Duclair every time you watch him you you wonder to yourself how did he play for five teams before he got to Florida that seems kind of dumb and he's been oh. he's been just a great I yes I kind of know <laughs> why but but also just the way that he has evolved as a player with the Panthers is really fun to watch again the, the depth has been there I I hope that Nudivar and Yuli Levy get healthy because that'll allow them to be a little bit well we'll have to see what that looks like defensively and i hope that they can get healthy that's important but uh, one last thing we were skeptical on that but one last thing is on the goalies because uh well I, we could talk a little bit about spencer knight and some of the struggles he went through but i i want to say with Sergei we're Bukowski, already seeing like, people groan when he's named the starter which i said was uh, going to happen but hey everyone called me crazy be- it's kind of oh, imagine what happens when they when when Drieger starts against the Panthers over the weekend when the when the Kraken comes to town. The Kraken are also yeah. bad. We should talk about that well, too. And they're bad because all three of their goalies have gotten have turned into pumpkins. Who could have imagined? Yeah. That? Um. But yeah. I also yeah. but with, with Bobrovsky, whatever the case may be, with whatever technical things he did with the equipment, it's all goalie voodoo, and I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about it. But whatever it is, outside of a couple blips here and there, he's been superb he's been really really good and this is why i sometimes say you have to be patient with players because for whatever reason you know in his first year he went from a team that was so defensively structured coached by john tortorella to run and gun shinny team that had no depth last year they were better as a team he was better but he still had issues like we can all say that and then this year third year in the system now it's second nature the team in front of him is a lot better and he's in tune with what he needs to be, what he personally needs to do from a technical standpoint. And again, outside of a couple blips here and there, he's been like exceptionally good. And yeah. that's, again, I, that I'm, raises the ceiling of what this team was because everybody said the goaltending was the weakest link. They knew what they could do scoring wise. They liked the defense score. It was the goaltending. And now Sergei Bobrovsky's top three in the league and goal saved above average pretty much. I didn't think he'd be this good, but I'm not surprised that he's you know, back in form, so to speak. 
I thought maybe eight to ten, you know, he'd be the eighth, tenth best goalie in the NHL. I thought that'd be, you know, that's what I expected. And, and I expected it because the, the talent has always been there. The past success was there and the work ethic. And I think that's the, the most important part is he had the work ethic and he felt he had the trust of his GM. He had the trust of his coach, the players. They wanted him to succeed. They saw him in the gym and they were always complimenting Oh yeah, we know Bobrovsky's going to get back on it. We see him working at practice. We see, you know, first one on, last one off, all that stuff. You saw him trying new things in the off season. He tried new pads. I mean, he was throwing everything at the wall to get better. And to me, that's why he's having success. Because when you do that and you have the talent and the past, you know, he was going to get back to it. It's just a matter of was he going to be able to stay healthy to benefit from from all that hard work? And, you know, how long is it going to last? Is it going to be a couple of years? Is it, is it, you know, going to be just bursts? Is it, you know, what what's it going to be? Um, but, you know, I, I'm not surprised because I've always been a huge fan of him since, since he came to Philadelphia, and there's some bias there, but for sure. But, you know, the belief never wavered uh, in the same way that, like, I kind of, you know, Knight struggling as a sophomore is not a surprise, but I, the talent's still there, and as long as they don't, they handle that, they handle Knight the same way they handled Bobrovsky in letting the determination, the work ethic, the natural skill set play over and just focusing on making sure that negative mental state isn't there by showing support, giving resources, yada, yada. Um, that is going to work out too. I, I, I liked mean, what they did with starting him against New Jersey saying, yeah, we know you had a bad game against this team last time. And they were under siege early. He kept the minute and he had a, he had a really solid game. And I think that gives you, right. you know, that gives you confidence, right? And a lot of, a lot of people are not happy with the back to back night games it's like they and don't want to start Christopher Gibson. Like that's basically yeah. it. But I mean, that's the and again, if that's the thing, then they should be trying to sign Tuka Rask. They should be trying to get You know, Dallas has four goalies. You know, you know, once Bishop gets healthy and stuff, Holtby, somebody's going to shake loose. You got to try to get one of those guys. But if they don't trust Chris Gibson that much, that has to be soft. Yeah, that no, that's that's it. But the other thing is. Whether it was right or wrong, I, you know, I think that the, the, I think we've seen data that has shown that back-to-back starts aren't as bad as they were once thought, where everybody, like, automatically defaulted to starting their backup on a second night of a back-to-back or whatever, but a lot of people threw that at Brunette and, and said that almost wanted Brunette like they wanted Tortorella brought in despite all of Tortorella's baggage just because Tortorella wouldn't do that. And I, you know, for my two cents, I think that decision was not made by interim coach Brunette. That was made by the department of goaltending excellence or the goaltending excellence department or the excellent goaltending department or whatever. They have a calendar. They've been very transparent about they set a calendar. They have a lot of influence on which goalies are playing, which goalies aren't playing, and all that stuff. And I'm sure with Quinville, Quinville had a lot more of the final say. But with an interim head coach who's 
trying to get a lot of other things under his belt. He he might have, you know, might have been more like deferred, you know. And again, that's not. I mean, the bigger issue for me is getting Knight comfortable in the beginning of hockey games, getting Knight um, more physically fit. Yeah, you had both extremes, right? Because you had that game he started against Arizona where the Panthers had the entirety of the puck and the first shot he sees goes in. And then you have the game against New Jersey where he's facing a billion shots because the Panthers played terribly and one that's a weak one. Both of those games, the first shot had beat him but didn't go in because it wasn't a shot on goal because it went wide or it hit the post. um, One of each. And then the second shot of the, the second shot on net actually did go in so you know both those games were real shaky for him and again it's good that he's coming back up he's able to reset his focus and have a short memory and pick it up by the end of the game and stuff but i mean if this is a generational goalie we we need to make sure that he's going to be generational all 60 minutes have you you noticed some of the little things he does like the like the tapping the posts you know the little the little i don't want to say you know, ticks, but the little things he does. All goalies do that, though. I know, I know, but he, he, his... Like, every goalie does it. Like, that's that's the USA Hockey and NHL marketing machine and the hype machine around Spencer Knight making that seem like it's better. But, I mean, he's... the, The little things I noticed that he does is he's active on communication he's talking to his d and for a young goalie you know i want to see him do it more because i think he did it more last year than this year and i think it's a confidence thing if you're not confident in yourself you don't feel confident telling Uyghur Ekblad what to do with the puck or you know that kind of stuff um and, but you know he's very confident coming out of the crease and playing the puck those kind of things he's really good at getting freezes and stops uh there's that whole emerging debate about you know puck freezes per shot or puck freezes per 60 or whatever you know that stat is about you know stopping the run of play more or you know in the right windows and stuff helps more than and is more telling of a goalie's performance you know their confidence and that kind of stuff than other goalie metrics uh, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. I don't know if it's the whole shebang or, or you know, it's the a big key or anything. But, you know, they're, the good goalies I found are always great at game management like that. You know, Luongo was as well. Um, but like Bobrovsky, like Luongo, you know, every goalie goes through periods where even for a whole season, they might suck. And it's, you know, the good goalies who just are able to constantly restart the cycle and be good again until they suck and figure out their way and adjust and all that. And Knight is starting down that journey. I think it's mentally acclimating to the NHL or professional hockey, and it's getting professional hockey strength. The goals that he gives up that are his fault are because I don't think he has the upper body strength. He's falling back into the net um, too easily uh, from the from the chest up. And that's something, you know, maybe a more concerted AHL 
time would have given him more time in the gym and uh, all that stuff. But I don't know. Maybe it's better for him to be seeing high-level NHL shots in practice all the time. I don't want to dice that up. But to me, We're my problems with Knight... experts to figure yeah, that out. My, my problem with Knight is, you know, I... The things that he needs to fix are the things that every young goalie needs to fix. And it's going to be the age-old debate of whether it's better for him to be doing that in the AHL or the NHL. Um, but right now, Florida has not been hurt by it too much. But it also was a big reason why they dropped some games in a row. If Bobrovsky wasn't injured and Knight was on a smaller schedule, they probably do have one or two less losses this year. I mean, they go, the, the, the plan is two-on-one off. It seems very clear to me yeah. that that's what the, – it's two-on-one yeah. off. And Who's Spencer Knight's agent? He's done a great job dictating what they do with Spencer Knight. <laughs> he, he, he's he's absolutely yeah. – Yeah, I want to vote for him for, for – he might actually get something done in Congress. Something, mm. you know? Jeez. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting how that – and how it got disrupted because Bobrovsky got hurt, and that's why he right. had to play yeah. against – and that's why they had to do it. But now we're coming off one Bobrovsky start. Bob's probably going to start against um, – the uh, the Flyers, and then it'll be probably night against yeah. the Capitals, and then it'll be Bob again. Two on one off is a is the circadian rhythm kind of thing. Like it gives everybody an idea of this is what's happening. And they did say I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like it if I'm Bob and I'm playing the way I am. I I want to start to get some three games at some times and things like that. And that's up to Andrew Burnett, but that's also up to the goalie department of excellence. Now, the the only thing is you can't do that in the playoffs. you got to ride with your guy. But I can understand why you want to do it right now. And Um, and honestly, you know, I I still think that they should be looking for a third goalie too um, because somebody would, like, if you can, like, if Dallas does have to cut one of their goalies, I mean, they have Ottinger, they have Bishop, they have Kudobin. They have Holpe. So you could be looking at Kudobin or Holpe as solid options. Those are guys who have played in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. How, it's, would, it's, how, how do you not, if that's not a feasible option, how do you how do you look that off because you have Chris Gibson and Spencer Knight? I don't in a year where you this might be one of your best shots at a Stanley Cup ever, period. End of story. I don't know why you wouldn't just you know, it's Spencer Knight's going to understand. The process is looking into. Uh, I yeah. want to get to some other stories around the league as we as we. It's a Thanksgiving week. We don't want to hold you forever. Uh, stories around the league that I find particularly interesting, uh, in terms of what I what I've noticed. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Calgary. Like, yeah, you were probably right about the Flames. Like, that's I I think we have to talk about that. Like, in a general sense, like because I didn't think Daryl Sutter's 2012 playbook was going to work in 2021 in in the modern faster league. That we're in. Here, and here's it, and why I'll say it, 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 it'll work because if because he has some of these new age D that can play old school games too, and you know Rasmus Anderson is a great. I thought you know he's going to get the best out of Rasmus Anderson. You know a lot of people might not be fans of him, but I think he's like a prototypical second pair playoff defenseman for me. He's young. He's on a good contract. I mean he just he does. All three zones pretty well. I love the guy. Um, Oliver Shillington looks like a monster. He's bringing speed. He's bringing pace. He's bringing a little bit of little run and gun. And and so far he's he's being given that leash to do so. And I think that that kind of shows how it's just enough of that kind of new age spin on you know 
Sutter's old style that's making it work. Calgary was always a big bruiser kind of team, and uh, they needed a coach that could that could do that, that could earn the trust of those players. Those are, would you have I mean, ever imagined that the Flames would lead the league perhaps in like expected goals percentage and even strength? Because I wouldn't have guessed that. No. I mean, lead the Pacific, yeah, because the Pacific's a mess. You know, I mean, there's they're 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 doing better than you know most predicted and everything. Calgary's looking good, Anaheim's looking good, LA's looking good, San Jose's looking like an NHL team. You know, <laughs> boy, that's a that's so, a statement of. of but I mean, like that's but that's you know a lot of teams in one division overachieving the the forecast, the pretty I think realistic forca- forecasts uh, you know that came into the season. But I mean. Yeah, Anaheim. I mean, if I'm Anaheim, I am chomping at the bit to get some return on these expiring contracts. I mean, your team's playing fantastic, but it's fool's gold. You know, it's not. I mean, it, you might win a series or whatever because of the way the uh, structure is. I'm not sure is. they're making the. I'm not sure they're making the playoffs. But, but right. Least, I mean, but yeah. Also, but, I mean, they also do much turmoil because their GM had to resign. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, he was gonna. Yeah. I. I, I've been a, I've had a love hate relationship with Bob Murray, but I've always thought that that was going to die with the Getzlav core. He's going to lose his job anyway, and I think you're kind of getting to the point where Getzlav might stay to to raise the new ones. But I think Hampus Lindholm is gone. Please come to Florida. Holy cow, that's the that's the answer in Florida. I'd be I'd be willing to to, to pay up for that guy. Um, I don't, even if. I don't think you could retain them or you might not be able to, but, um, you know, they got, let me see. Let's, let's go into their, their, uh, cap friendly for Anaheim. Is they Gibson. Have, Gibson is John Gibson. has got a bunch of years left on a contract. Oh, does he? Who's some of the expiring deals that they got? They got Getzlaff. They have, uh, the big ones are, are Lindholm and Manson. Lindholm and Manson are the two piggies. Well, and Getzlaff. But Getzlaff's not going to leave there. Like that's. Just, I don't, I don't know, man. May, well, I already have Maybe. Joe Thornton, so I he's mean, now he he he's the leading point getter. He hit the thousand points, and I, like he hit all of his milestones already this year with the also, team. Also, r- world junior hero Troy Terry with a bajillion game point streak. <laughs> yeah, he's fun to watch. I didn't I didn't know if he'd be able to do it at the NHL level, but I'm happy he is. I mean, he's he's putting up points at a top level rate. I don't know if that'll last, but he's definitely proving like, hey, I'm an actual first liner. I'm not just some kid who's good against amateurs. So there, that, that's there, the other thing. I mean, Ed, like I, the Panthers and Oilers haven't played yet, but when they play, are, is that going to be the fastest game in league history? Just watching these two teams just go up and back, up and back all night. I think so. <laughs> I think so. And and the thing is, I think if. I think if Edmonton and Florida guy in a track meet, I think Florida blows him out of the water. Yeah, because I really do. Edmonton because Edmonton doesn't have the depth to compete with what Florida. Well, Edmonton doesn't even have the goalies. I mean, they, like just to start there, who's? I mean, Koskinen. Evan, I mean, barely Mike Smith is is hurt somewhat seriously. Yeah, I mean, but reports of that. Even yeah, but Mike Smith, even at his best, I don't think is the way Bobrovsky and Knight are playing right now. If they ran into the Panthers right now, I, I think they don't have the goalie to even come close in a running gun. And you know, yeah, they got McDavid and Drysdale. And again, I will always say Drysdale is better than McDavid. Um, but 
you know, they, I, I, I think that's just kind of, yeah, they'll get their four points or whatever. But I think the team, the Florida Panthers team, would get more than that. I, I like. I, I think they'd again, be happy to. Uh, they'd be happy to give up the three to four goals to those guys that they generate a game and and because they could score six. In, yeah, and you know, so and and that's the problem with a team like Edmonton in the playoffs. That's why you know, at, the, McDavid's issues are the same as Florida's as a team issue. It is that um, you know there's you there, you have to be able to take different paces and you have to be able to what do you think about but, we talked about what torts was trying to say what torts was trying to say was not that he has to change the way he plays so much in that when it doesn't go his way he has to find other ways of hanging in the game until it op- the ice opens back up for him and he can just go back and do his thing because he can't do if he gets if he continues down the road of Crosby frustrated against the Flyers in round one, that's all he'll ever become. Well, you know Crosby eventually got over that. So did Tampa as a team eventually got over that. You know it, it, it it's possible it'll happen. Hopefully I, I, not. I I, I, I think that's a good it. point because also the idea that. The idea was broached by um, Elliot Friedman and talking about attendance being down and that, you know, we want more people in the building. we got to give more to our stars. And I'm like, I get we, that. We know why attendance of, is down, though. Well, we know why attendance is down. Like, it's, we're, it's not because they're not calling. It's not because the stars aren't getting power plays. That's not like the no, that might be like reason 11. Yeah. But it's like it's, a cross mix of, of like going on. Yeah, it has to do that. And like you know, financial uncertainty for a lot of people. And, you know, also we live in a time where there's more entertainment choices than ever. And the experience at home is as good as ever. You're right. So. No, you're absolutely right. But like, I mean, yeah, calling more penalties would be fun, but, and more power plays uh, would be fun. In yes. Some ways. I, my, in my, my thing is if you tie the, KPIs like the key performance indicators of are is are we calling it the right way or not to one or like one or two people's ability to draw penalties a game like it keeps coming back to how many penalties McDavid draws per game and to me that is so myopic it's just as bad as any other game management how how many penalties does Sasha Barkov draw a game also right like, I mean like, like we we shouldn't be I mean, we shouldn't be measuring that in some way. It should yes. And and again, because then then you start working at the problem of how do we get McDavid more power plays? But that doesn't help the league. Really. I mean you know, like what helps the league is how do we get a consistent rule book that the refs can call that also doesn't drown the game in power plays and just most of the goals being scored because, five. Because what are because what is the most fun part of hockey at this point, right now? It's honestly is, it's the back and forth five on five. You're exactly right. It's Slash like, the back and forth three on three. Yeah, it's it's all That's, about flow, and and flow does not happen on power plays or calling no. penalties. It's like McDavid's best moments are the moments on no. five on five where and, he turns a bunch a lot of, of pylons. 
Yeah, and 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 like to me, like I I see those goals, and all I see is like four defensemen pivoting the wrong way, like waving, like complete, like he's like you beat four people. There's four people in the picture, but only one of them was defending him, so we beat one person. Uh, but I, I could I agree mean, with like, that in some ways. See, yes, like uh, but then you see like Fox's play, Fox the 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 subtle play Fox makes against Buffalo to win it with like a couple seconds left. Kreider's in a board battle. I'm stealing this from one of my friends, Ben, who did the Pokemon prospect guide with us. He's a Rangers fan. He was talking about this on Twitter today. Uh, how, you know, he's watching Kreider and another Ranger and, and two Buffalo guys engage in a battle with like 10 seconds left in the third tie game. He's slowly creeping, but he doesn't really make a move and he doesn't put himself on the other side of the Buffalo guy, which would make the the Buffalo guy panic and start checking him until he sees that Kreider has complete control, made eye contact, and all of a sudden he darts in, he makes a quick little tap pass to a guy who can slide it over to Lindgren and he has an open net. And it happens so quick and, and it's so subtle. You have to watch it like six times to even get how smart it is even if you know what you're looking for. And that to me is so much more of a better, prettier play than like McDavid literally just skating around guys. Yeah, I, I can see yeah. that. I can see. And Adam Fox is insane. The Rangers are insane yeah. too, because I want to, I want to say this about them. They're insane because Adam Fox is insane. Uh, Artemi Panarin is insane. And Igor Shosturkin is insane. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> that's all they the got. rest of the team is garbage. But I mean, like, like the first line two... dry and hunt. First line dry and hunt. There are some Panthers yeah. fans out there who are uh, having some flashbacks when they heard first line dry and hunt. Oh God! Yeah, I, I mean, know, it's better right? than first line Seth Griffith, but only well, I mean, that, oh, that is better than first line <laughs> Seth Griffith. You're right. But, uh, but the you know, are, it, the Rangers are are the textbook definition of a team that is. It's star it's like how to, it's it's it. literally the movie How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, where they're trying to lose the game, but they ended up winning because like. You know, Igor Shosturkin refuses to yeah. let them lose, and Adam yeah. Fox. Refuses it used to be to because Henrik Lundqvist was too sexy, but I guess now it's Adam Fox is too sexy. Well, I didn't know yeah. he's too smart. He's definitely too smart. I think that's probably the thing. Like yeah. he's too smart to let the Rangers to let the Rangers lose. Um, couple other teams want to mention. Yeah, and I hate to uh, say it because I hate the Rangers and I know, New York I know. sports in and, general. And Rangers but. fans are quite annoying at Panther games down in Sunrise. I think everyone knows that. Um, but Flyers. Do you want to do any flyers? I mean, we stuff? do want to talk. I want to I get mean, to the flyers shortly. Uh, I want to. I want to focus on a couple of other teams first. Uh, the first of which is we have a real, real expansion team this year. The Kraken are bad, and uh, they and it, now uh, did they pick? Joke to, did they get? Did they get the goalies wrong, or did they pick the goalies right because they want the draft picks? Ooh, I like the uh, I like the 4D chess that you're playing here. Um, Grubauer is quite literally the worst goalie in the league this year. Yeah, like I mean, like it's only is... because Dreger was hurt and couldn't play more. But oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, and it's it's, <laughs> it's really funny how it turned into a pumpkin almost immediately. And there is part of me, and I and Chris Dreger was saying something about liking Blink One Eight Two, which is a band that I have a visceral detest thing for. I hate that band. Uh, they have some good songs, like but yeah, the fact it's, that it's it's, a, it's so basic, it's a grown it's just like man's it, 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 favorite yeah. band. Yeah. Just, I mean, no. not that mine's much better, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm a sports journalist. I like Pearl Jam, but I mean, 
there's something to be said about liking Pearl Jam. <laughs> hey, as um, long as you're not saying I'm from New Jersey, I like Bruce. So. Well, I mean, I'm from New Jersey, and Bruce Springsteen is Bruce Springsteen. But, I mean, <laughs> there's not much more that I can say about that. He's not from my part of New Jersey. Uh, but my, my He's from nobody's is, part of New Jersey. Well, I guess the big pharmaceutical executive part of New Jersey these days. There are days. people that live in Monmouth County. It's, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> on, on the path Mount of the Kraken, they are just – they are an expansion team. Like they, they didn't I think mean, that they were going to be an expansion team, but they're very much. And now I don't mind their underlining team play. You know, like I don't, I don't think the skaters and the cohesion and stuff is this bad. I think it's the coaching and goalie. I think it's the coaching and goalies that are. Who could have know, ever imagined that a team coached by Dave Haxtell would have ended up this way? I mean. A lot of people, but again, is that the GM like, hey, I can just let this guy coach for two years, fire him and bring in, you know, the guy who I really wanted, uh, you know, when the team's ready to go for it. But I mean, Seattle, to me, they their play has to be trying to get one of the generational players in 2023. Or even next year. One. Shane Wright's available. Yeah, I mean, but like. Yeah, but they're going to pick up – I mean, they're so bad now, they're going to pick up one of those guys too. But, you know, at this point, it's like, hey, like, let's pick up Shane, Let's pick up one of the guys this year in 2022. It's a, it's a, it's another – it's really good draft year. I think Florida is going to be happy with their first-round pick if they can get one back, uh, you know, or if they kept their first-round pick, they would, they'd be happy with it. But, um, you know, next year is if I was a team starting from scratch, getting Connor Bedard or getting – uh, Matt V. Mishkov honestly is better than getting McDavid or Barkov, especially at their ages. Like, this would be an incredible shot to get a Crosby. Um, Congratulations, Arizona. Yeah. Well, you, you, you if they're Arizona, on. one of the things I wanted they, they to talk will about they was Batman is meeting with the premier of Quebec to discuss the Nordiques' return. He is. Now, I'm going to say, as people pointed out, there is a Quebec election coming up. And the premier well, I'm going to say that there is, there is a French lot of talk. About, there's also a lot of talk about Gary Bettman needing to step down as commissioner. So the best thing he could do was give another uh, expansion check or a new team entrance fee or relocate a bad team to Quebec. That would give him a lot of clout with owners and money to give them. Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he is selling the Penguins to Fenway Sports Group, which is great news for people who like cost-cutting in their sports teams because, you know... Oh, God, can you that. imagine the Bruins? If you're like, oh, man, I really love the Red Sox, I really love the Bruins, I love, I love the Fenway Sports, blah, blah, the, blah. The idea... Here's what was funniest to me, is everybody saying, oh, they're going to start a streaming service because they want, you know, they have Liverpool, they have the Red Sox. You, what is the cross... Like, the crossover between Liverpool and the Red Sox, I kind of get it. What's the crossover between somebody who's like, yes, I like the Red Sox, the Penguins, and Liverpool? I probably don't want to meet that person, actually, now that I think about it. But, like, the crossover they, they, doesn't exist. Come on, They folks. work for a hedge fund, and they wear vests outside and in the cold to drink craft ciders. And they think people are going to buy team-specific streaming services, which nobody will do. Not a yeah. single person is interested in that. Yeah, but I'm not interested great, in that. And I, like, great way to, you know... Uh, in other words, like, have you ever already heard that people aren't subscribing to streaming services at the same rate now because we can go back outside? And also, there are too many of them. So yes, <laughs> also when now, they have, when they even make good streaming ideas like ESPN Plus, there's so many 
practicalities that uh, make it suck. That also, you know, yes, the streaming service that's going to take away all that juicy, juicy RSN money that every team basically needs to stay afloat. So again, great, great comments there, guys. Uh, I will, a couple of other teams that I wanted to talk about that I that I have uh, have noticed some interesting things about. Um, it's great to see Ovi still scoring. Like he's just doing Ovi things, and that's fun. Really enjoying watching the Capitals again defy the odds. Now they might screw up in the playoffs again, but defy the odds of their imminent demise. Um, the Red Wings are fun. The Red Wings are fun now. They're not just like a complete black hole of terrible. They're actually yep. fun to watch, and that's good. Good for them. Cider and Raymond are very, very good players. Really enjoy yep, watching. They them. they stuck with Zadina. I mean, he was on waivers, so somebody else could have grabbed him. I think at one point, but they stuck with some of. There, there are other prospects that didn't pop as well as you know Raymond and Sider have, but and and they've kind of turned into useful players and and Larkin's back, so that that's a big uh, boon for them. And I think they've, I mean Stevie Wide knows how to get a good goalie on on cheap, so they they've done that as well. Uh, I I think that they are firmly secure in the rebuild process. I don't think they're out of the woods yet, but I think that they know what they're doing. They have all the pieces and they're going to continue to stack them. And uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty they, they are, they are tough the opponent. When somebody else starts to fall out in the Atlantic, Detroit's going to be the one that replaces them. Like you, you can't, the Sabres are better than we thought, yeah. but they're not good. Senators have had COVID. So who knows? Well, Montreal's falling apart. One uh, of the team, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Boston because, I mean, yeah. They're still just playing Bruins hockey. They're just well, they're doing what they do. Every time I hear Butch Cassidy speak, the more and Butch more Cassidy I'm like. And the, Butch Cassidy and the TD Garden kids, I don't know. Yeah. No, I like calling him Butch Cassidy. Because okay, he's, well. he's just kind of got that personal, he's got that style. He's just kind of, like, he's very forthcoming. He's very plain spoken. Um... I, I just I learned so much listening to him talk just about his players, what he wants out of them, uh, what they're trying to accomplish in practice, what they're trying to do, this and that. Like, is no wonder that they continue to get the most out of that. Well, it also shows you that a first impression of a coach is not necessarily the last impression of a coach you're going to get because his first time right. coaching in the league was terrible, and then when everybody. Uh, saw that the Bruins hired him. They're like, what are you doing? And it turns out that he's a, a really, really good coach. So yeah, he, he's yeah. I mean, I think like, sometimes sometimes they just they take lessons back. Like, hey, I was really unprepared for this. Or, hey, there was more of why or something. And I didn't know I had to do much of this. Or this was like, really – Pete DeBoer was not a great at. coach in his first tenure with Florida. And then he goes to New Jersey. He goes to San Jose. He goes to Vegas. Like – I still don't think he's a good coach, but... But, like, he's improved (laughs) over time. Like, Gerard Gallant was not the coach that started in Columbus. He is a better coach now, having gone through, you know, coaching the teams he's coached. And, I mean, that like, that's more than feasible that you're going to get it right the second time as opposed to the first time. Uh, Also, the Hurricanes are going to keep Seth Jarvis on their team. Uh, The Hurricanes being this good is kind of annoying, but them having been boat raced by a Barkoff-less Panthers team was also kind of me just, you know, hey, they already proved that they're better than them at least once. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, Car- I'll take it. I'll take Carolina, it. Carolina, yeah, I'm not. Well, Freddie Anderson is doing, like, it, it is funny how, you know, maybe we should just 
not doubt what Carolina does because whatever they have, like they've got smart people working in that front office. We know that. And, you know, some of and maybe my annoyance with Carolina is more like Florida playing terribly against them the last couple of years, not the one game they played this year. Uh, and, and, well, it was really funny watching Panthers fans dunk on that Twitter account, re- retweet if your team's the best team in the league, and then all the Panthers fans did that. That was kind of funny. But, you know, like, I could easily see that being the Eastern Conference final this year. Sorry, ESPN, but, you know, that, that would be. Yeah. If you're wanting just some really good hockey in just plain sight good hockey, like, those two teams would be fun to watch. Now, I mean, Carolina seemingly has smart people running the team and everything. I like some of their guys and everything like that. Well, but minus Tony D'Angelo and watching him get really, really mad. But I, slapping a rat I don't, into the stands, apparently. I, I don't. I'm not Carolina for to me is still just like a until they prove that they're not a pretender in the playoffs. I don't really care, and I'm sure that's how a lot of teams feel about Florida, and that's kind of how I feel about Florida. But you know, like I'm not like I'm worried about. I'm worried about Tampa. I'm worried about Boston. And I'm worried more about like the Islanders or if the you know, Islanders Washington. Ever figure out what's going on. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like a team, a team that has either figured us out or has figured out playoff success. Those are the teams I'm worried about. I'm not worried about a team that's like Florida that has underachieved when they've gotten to the playoffs and relative hasn't to really... expectations. Relative yeah. to expectations. Yeah, but I mean, like, what? Yeah, I mean, Carolina. I mean, I guess I'm just going to come off sounding like a hater, but I don't know if they have that something special. I don't, you know, I don't know if they have. Is is Feshnikov, is Aho, is that good enough? Is Slav, you know, is Slavin, is, are those, like, it factor enough? Is is their star quality, you know, their coach, Brindamore, is that enough? It, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll I just, see. I mean, I, I'd be willing you know, to give them a shot. Although, as I say, um, they had that one run when they started, and then you know the, the bubble is the bubble. And then last year, Tampa just beat them up. Like Tampa just like it wasn't a contest, and that was that that was a little worrying for me. And then they made all these changes, and a lot of them have worked out, including Tony D'Angelo, which is highly unfortunate. But you know, like I, I, you think about the team building. You go, I like, I like a lot of the things they do from a team building perspective. Like clearly, that they draft well, they know what they want, they get what they want, they have a personality, which is what you like. And Brendan Moore is a good coach, but yeah, you, you wonder about the playoffs, and it's it's very similar to Florida in that regard. And the, the Flyers play the Hurricanes, so let's uh, on Friday. So let's end this by talking about the Flyers. I wanted to save this till the end because this is it's a complicated discussion. We'll spend a few minutes on it. Um, Kevin Hayes is out injured again. That sucks. It was really what I yeah. watched him to score and point to the sky. That at, was really at cool. So, at some point, the Flyers need to clean house with their medical staff. I mean, this is getting <laughs> well, ridiculous. Ryan Ellis too. Yeah, he has. How many? This is getting played ridiculous. This year? He's played a bit, but not enough. Not enough. That's, I mean, that's it's, it's, gonna, true. it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, why can't why can't you get hurt Keith Yandel? Oh. You know, I don't want people on. getting hurt, but Keith Yandel just is apparently Keith never Andel getting hurt. hurt. Uh, well, let me let me ask about this for um, the situation with the Flyers because you, I mean, we're gonna I'm gonna watch them on Wednesday, obviously, uh, and I've seen a little bit of what they do. Uh, and there are times when you're like, okay, this team's better than I thought they'd be. Like Carter Hart has had some iffy moments, but I think on the whole, he's been better. 
you know, he's definitely back to more of what we thought Carter Hart could be. Um, I, but at times, I'm like, Giroux's still playing like Claude Giroux. I think from what I've seen, Cam Atkinson's worked in that regard. Like, he's been what I think the Flyers would have hoped for. You're still getting the things out of Couturier you'd probably want. Like, it doesn't feel like they're, like, on the precipice of disaster. And then you go, like, well, actually, they're dinged up. If goalies regress, you're starting to look like you're in trouble, and they're playing a lot of interesting games coming up. Like, it's so interesting how the, the Panthers are where they are, and you're thinking so further down the line because of what they are. And now with the Flyers, you're like, you're kind of, like, feeling like, is the cliff beneath your feet starting to crumble a little bit, or is it... Is this team on much more stable ground? I really don't know. And also, the the Metro division's bizarre because the Islanders have COVID issues and they played their entire schedule on the road. You know, the Penguins have been dinged up this entire time, but you know that that's not going to last forever. Like, Columbus is playing over their heads. The Devils are playing over their heads. The Metro is what we thought it'd be. You have the Rangers who are winning games in spite of themselves, in large regard. The Capitals are winning games in some ways in spite of themselves. And Carolina's just not losing. So it feels like the Flyers might be getting squeezed a little bit, but I don't know. I haven't watched them enough to say for sure. You have. They, they're, they're just very incomplete. And I mean, yeah, some of that that's injuries. I mean, it's hard. The, you know, a draft. They try to improve their D by just getting one huge big piece in in a reclamation project and uh, a flyer on you know, a power play specialist. And all right. So those are three pieces that, you know, should make it better. Well, the huge piece they're really counting on to kind of take the, the big minutes, let Provorov slide into a little easier workload and then have, you know, two, two guys really going hasn't worked out because he's been injured. So Provorov's still been doing all the heavy lifting. That means Ristolainen and Sanheim have been doing a lot of heavy lifting. I don't think it's been working out too, too well. Uh, Ristolainen, man, I, I really wanted, to, I really want to like him. I still do. I've spent too much time defending him and everything, but I just think he's trying too hard to do the things that make him a bad defender instead of focusing on what could make him a good defender. And I think the Flyers are coaching him, especially AV is coaching him up to do those things, like run out of position to make hits, that kind of stuff. Um, Keith Yandel's Keith Yandel. He's been largely okay because there's been games where he's really helped the team. There's been games where he's really hurt the team. That's the Keith Yandel experience. Justin Brown sucks. Nick Sealer sucks. And that's your whole freaking defense score. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't think there's anything they can do right now to fix it because they have uncle Chuck Fletcher. Who's, you know, he's, he's on sun. He's like on a Sunday drive all the time. I don't know what he's, his real game plan is. Um, but, you know, they also have holes up front. Their their biggest issue is they can't score goals. They don't have the centers. Broussard's was always a mirage. I don't, I, you know, Zach McEwen, Brad, Patrick Brown, who are these guys? You know, like, it's not... Bodies. Have, yeah, I mean, you're not getting enough out of Konechny, JVR, Lawton, Farabee this year. That, that kills. Hayes is hurt, but, I mean... Towards the end of last year, you weren't getting enough out of Hayes. I don't know if you'd be getting more this year because he has different motivation this year, and it, you know stories like that tend to 
um, pay. I mean, not pay off. I don't want to even say that, but uh, you know, like mm-hmm. with Marty St. Louis, it, it can lead to on ice success. Um, but you know, it's it's a team that when they get the goals, it's usually because Giroux, Couturier are just absolutely mule like a, a work mule for this team. Uh, I'm so tired. I'm almost stop watching the Flyers uh, and paying attention to the Flyers and talking to Flyers fans. Just at the unbelievable amount of hate that Drew gets and stuff. I mean, the amount of uh, it's just too much. Anyway, I think we talked he, about it at the end of a of a previous yeah, podcast. Yeah, he's yeah, but I mean, he's he, this year. He's the only reason this team is still relevant. Is still above water and is banking some points that they'll probably need at the end of the year. Uh, you know, other than that, it's Carter Hart and Martin Jones actually as well playing, pre- playing pretty solid behind the net or between the pipes. And um, I, there's, I don't really see an identity, uh, it's, but it's hard to have an identity when you don't have your real true defense and you don't have center depth. And that's something we were saying in Florida for how long, I think yep. this is going to be this is going to be a, a wash of a year for Philadelphia. I think they started out great. I think but by the end of it, I think it's going to be more about the draft pick than the playoff spot. And I think that's going to be up to Claude Giroux to decide what he wants to do. I hope it ends with Giroux going to Colorado or a team to hunt for, to chase for a cup. I hope, you know, AV's fired and I hope Philadelphia kind of does changes because the guys i care about you know that florida that philadelphia i mean should keep are you know 25 and under i I think you know there's still time to to kind of make some changes and move things around with drew or without drew um Mm. if drew stays maybe you can move jvr or something or i don't know well you made the points and I will maybe see what that happens with Florida. But then again, the Panthers are quite literally one of the best teams in league history at home. So maybe that's probably not a good way to, of seeing what's happening. Also, Tampa losing point and Kucherov now. I think it's basically the Panthers and Leafs competing for top spot in the Atlantic. I just don't think the Lightning are going to be able to hold up for much beyond what they and, are because they got their two yeah. best players hurt. And like, at you some point it had one, to happen. You can't survive two. Like, and, and listen, it, they'll, they'll be fine. They're going to be an annoying team in the playoffs. But I think that the, the thing that's going to end up happening in, in that regard, just to wrap this up, is, like, you win first in the Atlantic, you don't play Tampa in the first round, is basically now how this is going to work. And, like, I mean, I wouldn't want, you know, the Panthers to play Tampa in the first round, but, like, you're going to have to beat them anyway at some point to get through it. But, like, that might be what first in the Atlantic's prize is, is you don't play Tampa. Maybe you play Boston, but I would much rather play them than Tampa. But that's just, that's... Because I know what Tampa's going to be come playoff time. And I think for, you know, again, Florida's going to have to beat them at some point. We, we shall see. But I think that that's kind of how that's going to work out. But Tampa is still Tampa. This is a but, good year where they might be able to avoid them. So, again, it's time yeah. to – like, but, I think this is a good year to start. I'm not saying trade Denisenko for a rental, but I'm saying – Definitely well, when start you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, moves. you got to take advantage of it. You got to take yeah. advantage of it. 
And yep. uh, like, I don't, and Toronto's better than, you know, I, I don't think they're better than we thought. I thought they were going to be pretty good the whole way, regardless. I think I picked them to finish first in the division. So like, I, I knew what they were going to be, but again, and, and the last thing I'll mention about the Panthers is th- this home record is like, I'll probably jinx it, but to win your first 10 games at home, to win your last 14 games at home, dating back to a season ago and to win 21 to 22 at home. Like you can say whatever you want about not showing up to games or what have you like Panthers have actually made home ice advantage a thing. Like they just are flat, not losing in sunrise anymore. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because they, they know how to play the bounces in the ice because the ice isn't good. Maybe it's the sunrise flu. Everybody went to sawgrass shopped till they dropped and then they dropped too much. I don't really know. Maybe we have to figure out, do some investigative journalism as to what the sunrise flu is. Cause I mean, if Vegas flu is a thing and that was definitely a thing, and now nobody can win in sunrise. I guess the sunrise flu is a thing. Yeah, I wonder if it's that awesome pregame show. Maybe it's the awesome pregame show. Maybe maybe it is. I, I, I think it's the P.F. Chang. It's, it's Jeff Chikrin's charisma coming off the screen. What about Ed Jovanovsky's charisma? Everybody's got to Oh, God, watch. I don't want Ed Jovanovsky. Give me Chikrin every night instead of Jovanovsky. Also... Randy Muller not understanding how offsides works is hilarious. It was it was interesting, and then Bill Lindsay uh, tweeting about it. Uh, well, I thought it was offside too, and then Bill Lindsay explained. I'm like, all right, maybe I should just listen to Billy the whole time. Again, it's no like Billy to, should be back on TV. No the, offense to Randy Muller. No offense to Randy Muller. I he has he he's a fun guy, but I I would I would still think Goldstein and Lindsay is Randy pairing here much. Much like his playing days, Randy's there for the off-ice stuff. He's very again. Remember the goal <laughs> He's calls. Not I remember the, the goal calls. I remember yeah, the goal calls. He had the coast to coast on buttered toast or something in the same game where he messed up. So like, honestly, they they really messed up taking him off the radio because next to Goldie, he can't do the his shtick because that's Goldie's shtick. So now he's trying to be you know become a hockey man and. I gotta be honest with you. He's he's just not like he's like, I don't. He's not he, that. He. I think he. I think maybe in the interventions he could do it, but maybe at the end. I just like. I've always liked. Again, I've always been partial to Bill Lindsay because when I started really yeah. watching hockey again, you know, I listened to him do color, and you like you're you're learning something. You know, he he says, and he's good if you watch him on NHL Network. If you have NHL Network, I know you don't, but I've sometimes tune in and I see him doing analysis and it's good. And then I remember, Oh, right. He's on the radio and I was hoping he's on TV. Like if I was running a TV, uh, a studio uh, or even a broadcast crew, I would be like, I I want him in the booth. Like, I think he's, there's, he's really underappreciated. And I I agree. I'm not, I don't know if he's the best or whatever. And I don't care that he might not be the most polished, but I think he, Knows I think when he to genuinely speak up. Knows talking about hockey to people. Yeah, and he knows and when to speak to up. He knows when not to, and I think he knows the the points to make. You know, he knows the different things to point out. Versus, you know, there's a lot of people like Pierre or. Um, well, he's no longer I'm with us. To, on television, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't want to say Dave Starman, but it's uh, somebody who does. Um a lot of college games. It's not Dave Starman though. Um, but you know, there's God, that's going to bug me all day. I can't get the name, but you know, you don't have to give, you don't have to point out 
every time something interesting happens or every fact or every, you know, good play, it's, you know, just, you know, pepper them in. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably not right. Uh, probably not wrong, I should say. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> no, no. That's the time to end. That's the time to end the show, everybody. That's the time that you know you're more right than you think. That's the time to end the show. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll have guests coming soon, I hope. Good night and good hockey. And don't go Panthers. Just because it doesn't make you go to sleep.